Christian Medical and Dental Association of Nigeria Student Arm presents the maiden edition of online conferences, Prayer and Missions Conference 2020, with the theme, Arrows in His Quiver. Three platforms, 16 speakers, delegates from all across Nigeria and overseas. It was a life-changing experience for many. Brace up as you listen to power-packed messages and parallel sessions on issues pertaining the Christian medic. God bless you as you listen. But for you to be able to influence people, you must have capacity. The level to which your capacity is, is the level to which you will be able to influence people. If you have low capacity, your influence will be low. But if you have high capacity, your influence will be high. And now what capacity? For me, a leader's capacity is in threefold. Or for the Christian leader, it's in fourfolds. It needs to be intellectually sound, what we call cognitive capacity. He also needs to be emotionally competent, socially competent, and above all, spiritually competent. When your capacity in these four areas is on a high level, your impact or influence will be maximum. Praise God. So that is the capacity that leaders must build, and especially Christian leaders. The cognitive intelligence, which most people are, for you to be a medical doctor, you are cognitively sound. Emotionally is what we're going to talk about today. Social competence, interacting with your team members and spiritual capacity, which is our capacity to intertwine with God and bring his will to impact men. Praise the Lord. So emotional intelligence from a Christian perspective is something I knew will come over time will, will, will surface in our practice as leaders. Sometime years back, I used to think about it, but the Lord was telling me clearly that emotional intelligence is something that you will speak about very soon and people will begin to understand the concept. For me, even in my own marriage, it's something I apply. It's something that can be applied in several places, at work, at home, amongst your children, you know, so it's multifaceted. But for me personally, I like to apply it in the area of leadership because it's, complete, because it's so important for a leader to be able to influence the team members that are around him. Okay, so the objective of this session is to emphasize the importance of emotional intelligence to believers, components of emotional intelligence, and how to develop emotional intelligence. Most definitions, I'll go back. Most definition of emotional intelligence focuses on one's ability to be aware of his or her emotions. Now, this is very critical. Most times, people say uh, emotions, emotions is overrated, but the truth about it is, as human beings. Our emotions are a critical part of who we are. We cannot run away from them. They are part of our human makeup. They are part of our biological makeup. And they are part of who we are. So it's important that we become aware of what our emotions are, what they do to us. Understand and manage both your emotions and emotions of others in order to adapt to life's demands and pressures. Now, basically, our emotions are affected by the demands and pressures of life. So it is imperative that people who want to go far in life and impact and influence people 
must understand how their emotions affect them in certain um, instances where they find themselves in life. The pressures of work, the pressures of school, the demand of a project, how your emotions are ruffled during this period will determine how you are able to go further or how, how well you are able to make progress in handling these jobs or these projects that are before you or in your association around the pressures that you have, how you are able to handle your emotions will determine how much success you're able to make in these endeavors that you find yourself. Have you ever deeply thought about the reasons why we, why we laugh, why we cry, why we smile, why we feel sad? What's responsible for these emotional expressions? You know, as we grow up in life, many times, most of these emotional things, we tend not to think about them deeply. We just move on in life as we grow up from childhood into adolescent, into becoming adults. Most of the time, what people focus on developing is their cognitive intelligence. Your parents tell you, go and read your book. Make sure you get straight A's. Make sure you hit the jump scores high. Everybody talks about build your memory. Make sure you develop a skill. Understand your book work get first in class and all this kind of stuff. Those are areas where people naturally over time have been emphasizing people to develop and that's developing your cognitive capacity to be able to handle basic skills or, or that have to do with your intellect. But, over, but the truth is that while you are growing up, some of these characters in your life are being molded. The reason why you laugh, the reason why you smile, what makes you cry. But the truth about it is that what now makes you intelligent in emotions is being aware why you cry, being aware why you laugh. You don't just laugh because you just want to laugh. You understand? You have an understanding that uh, something happened to me and I was laughing. And then you're able to, you're able to narrate and able to understand the inner workings of your heart and inner workings of your mind as to the reason why that particular emotion occurred in your life or occurring in your life. Now, it's important for you to understand that emotions, when we get signals from the external, whatever kind of signals it may be, there may be signals from interacting with someone, it may be even signals from eating your food, while you're eating a good food. Sometimes people eat good food and they're smiling over the food. I'm sure many of us are there that when you're licking an ice cream, you're just smiling as you're licking the ice cream. Why should you be smiling while you're licking an ice cream? There are things that have been built internally both your hormones and your limbic system to appreciate your, the interaction that you have with the world and your emotions are expression of that interaction. Praise God. So over time, what emotional intelligence now helps us to do is to understand how to aggregate these emotions and use them properly to our benefits as leaders and as believers, not just to, not just allow them to be passive, but become active components of our conscious mind. So when they enter into the brain from the spinal cord, the truth is that they pass through the limbic system. In the limbic system, while they're in the limbic system, you generate behaviors through the limbic system that is now sent to the rational part of your brain for you to not act accordingly. And that's why most times people react first before they think. And that occurs because most of the messages pass through the limbic system before they get to your cognitive part of reasoning. Praise the Lord. 
what would it be like on our daily interactions as humans without expressing any forms of emotions? I don't know if any of us is familiar with the movie called Star Trek. The movie called Star Trek. In the movie called Star Trek, there's a species of um, a race, alien race. I can't remember his name now. That alien race in Star Trek, their race on that planet, they don't feel anything. They don't feel anything. Emotions is zero. They don't know what it means to interact on an emotional basis. And so I decided to write a few things under to make to help us understand to appreciate to appreciate what it means to not have your emotions being exhibited. For example, a friend or a sister of yours gives birth to a beautiful baby and you simply express no emotions. Just imagine how that will look like. It looks it will look dumb. Or you lose a very dear one and you express no emotions. Just think about it for a moment. Or you pass a, a very tough medical exam and after going to the board to check the exam scores and you and you do very well you no emotions there's no joy no way hey, i passed my exams I'm, I'm victory nothing like that so it's not it's the idea is to make us understand that these things are there for us to be able to interact and understand ourselves god put them there for a reason God put them there for a reason. Now, Alexia Timia is a medical disorder where someone, a very rare medical disorder, where someone has no emotions, expresses no emotions. And imagine you have that kind of a friend and then you tell the friend that you just got something or you just got a gift or something just happened in your life. And then the friend is just looking at you, duh. You know what I'm saying? So the issue now would be such conditions, God decided to create them so that we can have interactions that are beautiful and rub off on each one and take us to a place that we can share one another's ideas, share one another's emotions, and the world will be a beautiful place. Our emotions give us the ability to interact and embrace the world in a different way from our intellectual and cognitive channels. Emotional intelligence is about bringing our emotions from the subconscious to the conscious and being able to adjust ourselves accordingly to suit any prevailing situation. Whether it be a problem to ourselves or, or to those around us, without being a problem, sorry, that should have been without being a problem. So without being a problem to ourselves and to those around us. How we allow this play out in our lives will determine the quality of our relationships. So when you are now, what we are now doing in emotional intelligence is taking your emotion from the subconscious, from the primitive place, to the conscious. You are now aware of your emotions, and you are aware of the interactions of your emotions. And you are now able to use them to prevent problems around those who interact with you. And the more you are able to do that, the better the relationships you will have. The more you are able to understand how emotions evolve and how they surface and how they or, or on how they occur and how they find a wet worm, how they and how you react in certain situations, the better and the quality of your relationships. There is a common saying that people do not care how much you know until they know how much you care. And I'm sure many of you will agree with that. There's a saying that John Martin says that most people will not buy into the vision of a leader until they buy into the heart of the leader. 
So if the heart of the leader, if they can sense the heart of the leader, that the leader cares about them and the leader is someone who is interested in their well-being, then they are, they are ready to follow that kind of a leader. So people want to really know how much you care about their well-being before they will commit to you. How people feel in church, fellowship, associations, team, or projects will determine a lot with regards to how they will perform on that team. So if the leader in that team is a leader that makes the emotional atmosphere very tense and toxic, you see people will be dragging themselves, the energy will be low, people don't want to come for meetings, people don't want to hang around. In fact, when they call for a meeting, people look for excuses to avoid such a meeting because they know once they are such in, a, in such a meeting, the atmosphere is not emotionally friendly. They're much, they're, they're not, they don't, the, the atmosphere is a bit tense. And sometimes it could, be, it could be toxic. And such similarly, if you take a look around associations and teams, football teams, or any form of team, you find out the coach has a beautiful relationship with the players. And such, such teams have a very, very, um, what would I, how would I call it? A very serene, emotional atmosphere. And such people can perform optimally. They are not bothered about how they will feel in the presence of such a leader. To disregard emotional intelligence is to disregard the importance or role of emotions or, or the role emotions play in our interactions as humans and even as believers. So some people might say emotions is overrated, but if I tell if you do that, you will only be disregarding the importance of your emotions and why God put emotions in our lives and your interactions with humans and believers will become a problem because as, well, as, as, as far as I'm concerned, and as far as I've studied emotions, I've, really, I've found out that it is difficult to disregard emotions when you're interacting with people. How, virtually difficult. And most people, most people interact with people based on the way they feel. Yes, most times we interact with people cognitively. But the truth about it is that in the first few seconds of interacting with someone, your emotions are already interpreting your interactions with this individual. And you're already asking yourself, how far is this relationship going to be? Is it going to be on a cordial basis or is it going to be on a formal basis? And I will tell you, discuss that later while we go through the slides. Because many of all, all of us as human beings, we have what we call our sphere of influence. And the people within our sphere of influence is decided by how our emotional wavelengths and cognitively, uh, and, sorry, how our emotional wavelengths with these individuals fares with us. We bring them into that sphere if we are comfortable with our emotions with those people. Now, these are typical um, um, character, um, adjectives to describe some of the emotions that many, uh, many as human beings we feel. On the left is people who have low emotional intelligence, and on the right are people who have high emotional intelligence. But because of time, I just want you to go through them. I should have gone, I'm supposed to do an exercise, but I don't think my discussion is supposed to be about 30 minutes. But all you could just do is just look through them extra yourself because the truth about it is in being emotionally intelligent you have to be honest with yourself that's one of the first things be honest with yourself be open and transparent to yourself and ask yourself what are the areas that i have issues what are the areas i need to be better and that's the only that's the only way you can improve on the emotional intelligence the truth about it is yes we have some people who are gifted emotionally just we have people who are gifted cognitively you have people who are geniuses that's the same way you have people who are emotionally intelligent naturally they just have an easy way of going through with people. They don't have a problem with interacting. Even if you annoy them, they have a way of quickly getting out of it. <clears throat> Praise God. 
And so for others, it will take you some time to exact yourself and say, okay, what are the negative emotions I have? Or what are the positive emotions I have? What are the things that areas I need to work on strategically to improve my interaction with my fellow believers or the project or the team or the association that I find myself? So some of the low emotional intelligence um, behaviors are bossy, confrontational, resistance to change, unresponsive, patient is stubborn, is very critical, picky and annoying. Those are people who have a low emotional intelligence, egotistical in nature. And people who have high emotional intelligence tend to be assertive, ambitious, driven, decisive, warm, enthusiastic, patient and stable in their relationships, consistent, they are good listeners. An emotional intelligent individual is able to converse comfortably across a, an array of individuals with different personality types and varying emotional expressions without getting ruffled or still and still be able to bring out the best in, in those relationships. So someone is emotional intelligence able to converse comfortably with an array of individuals, no matter what the individuals look like, because people have different personality types, and personality types is a different ballgame entirely, which is beyond the scope of this discussion. But these individuals are able to interact with people with different people who are very assertive, people who shout, people who are very stubborn, people who are very um, opinionated. These people don't have a people don't have a problem with any kind of personality type, even with varied emotional expressions. They are able to understand these emotions, interpret them, and go ahead and form good relationships with any of these people and get the best out of those relationships. A number of people struggle to get along with other people simply because of the sense, this emotional discomfort or friction every time they converse or interact with these people. So most times people tend to shy away. You understand? If you're not emotionally aware, you tend to shy away from people who are not, who are not in consonant with your emotions. Once you feel there's this form of discomfort, or you may flow cognitively, you intelligent person, your friend, but the moment person opens his mouth to say one or two stuff, you just become very uncomfortable. Oh, this person is not, does not consider the way I feel on certain matters. How could he just say this kind of thing? Or how, could he, how, how could he just act in that kind of manner? Couldn't he have remembered that is all that? So you have this kind of, and then all of a sudden your brain begins to interpret what's the next, what do I place this person in my relationship? And that's how you begin to think. But an emotional intelligent person is asking, why, did this, why does this person talk like this? Why does he act in this particular manner? You begin to draw what you call kind of like an emotional evaluation for that individual. Praise God. Being emotionally intelligent gives you the leverage to get along in this relationship without feeling excessively hot or down. The scriptures are replete with verses that embrace the need to be emotionally intelligent. Towards the end, I will quote some scriptures that I will see that even the Bible expects us to be in our emotions should be in check for a healthy relationship because the idea is that as believers, God expects us to minister the word, evangelize, and show good works. We are in this earth not just to inter we're not in this earth to interact with um, with birds of the air or the trees of the grass. We are here to interact with human beings. So and God has given us a commission to preach the gospel. And in preaching the gospel, you must interact with human beings. And how you interact with human beings will determine how far these relationships go. And so those are one of the things that people must consider when, um, when, when preaching the word or when evangelizing. The term of emotional intelligence was 
um, developed by the researchers and psychologists Peter Savoy and John Mayer, and then EI or EQ, which is commonly known in the emotional intelligence quarters, was popularized by Daniel Goleman, who has written so many bestsellers on this in this era. Peter Salvey broke down emotional intelligence into five main components. So this is part of the objective of today's discussion. And these are some of the things that Peter Salvey was able to break down after some research in the area of emotions. And he talked about self-awareness, self-regulation, motivation, empathy, and social skills. Now, Daniel Goleman simply classified AI into personal, first of all, personal competence. One, under personal competence, you have self-awareness and self-management. And then also social competence, under which you have social awareness and relational management. I'll be using this Daniel Goleman model to, do, to talk about emotional intelligence today. Now, self-awareness is the first component of emotional intelligence. It means having a deep understanding of one's emotional strengths, weaknesses, needs, and drives. It is, a, it is what we call an introspection, just like what I said the last time. You take a sincere evaluation of your emotional types. What are your strengths? Are you the type that are, is, is able to stay happy in the midst of chaos? Or are you the type or your weakness, are you the type that is always sad, even in the presence of where people are happy? What are your needs? What are your drives? What, 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 what makes you tick? It is your ability to accurately perceive yourself in the moment and understand your tendencies across situations. So you're able to put your, it's, your idea is you're able to put yourself in different situations and then analyze your emotional expressions on those various, in, in those various, um, circumstances. You're able to uh, itemize them and say, okay, this is how I usually act when I'm here, and this is how I usually act at this particular moment. In other words, you're, you know your emotions and they do not manage you. You manage them, which is critical. You know your emotions, they do not manage you, you manage them. Below are a list of emotions that we express, aggressive. So you can actually now, because of time, you can actually just look through the the, uh, the, the list of uh, emotions that I put down here, and you can actually ask yourself in the last one year, how much of these emotions have I expressed more? And if on each emotion, you could tag yourself, you could, you, could, you could give it a power between two, four, six, and 10. Now that will now, for each one, you, why, why I'm doing that is that for each one, you are, act, you are actually putting it to show yourself how much of this did I express in the last one year or in the last six months, depending on the timing you want to use. So for example, if, it's, if you talk about angry, in the last six months or in the last one year, how many, how much times, how many times am I usually angry? Two over 10, four over 10, six over 10, or 10 over 10. For um, happy, in the last six months or one year, how many times am I usually happy? But if you cannot, if you cannot actually X-ray or if you cannot evaluate, you can now start an evaluation from today, and you can do it through the various um, uh, um, various durations of the day, in the daytime and then in the in the evening time. So at the end of the day, you evaluate yourself. You can do that for probably a three-month period and try to evaluate what are the emotions that you truly experience and find out the situations 
and the moments that aggravated or instigated these various um, emotional types. Now, for this exercise, I will also want you to also look at the questions that are placed below. This helps to for an introspection and, and reevaluation of yourself emotionally. The following review questions are typically used to assess an individual who may be regarded as emotionally unintelligent or naive, let's say emotionally naive or incompetent. So you go through these questions and, and, and you're supposed to have a paper and a book beside you and you're just ticking down and writing, okay, this one, I think two over 10, there's seven over 10. And then when you write, do that, you are able to go back and then ask yourself, what are the strategies which I will talk about to able to overcome or put myself in a position where I'm better than what I, 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 I just realized. So do I get angry or anxious without realizing why or what I'm, uh, they are feeling? Going to self-awareness is going through um, a process of self-organization. Self-awareness is the first component of um, emotional intelligence. Is First of all, you have to do what? Self-observe. Observe yourself critically. Observe yourself at every time. What are the things that, emotions that I express? Then build your emotional vocabulary. Self-knowledge. What are the emotions that I have? You have, you can itemize them. You know them. You know the ones that I call very frequently. You know the ones that are probably don't occur very, but you can actually itemize them. Then self-processing. Understanding the emotions you frequently express and coming to terms with them. So you have, you have, you've realized the emotions you have, you've been able to itemize them, and then you come to terms with them. And then from then you move to the position where you are now self-aware of your emotions. Having self-awareness means you are not afraid of your emotional mistakes. They tell you what you should be doing differently and provide steady stream of information you need to understand as your life unfolds. When you are self-aware, you are more likely to pursue right opportunities, put your strengths to work, and perhaps most importantly, keep your emotions in check and put them to use appropriately. So when you are self-aware, you have no, you, you are so confident about your emotional expressions that you know the right time they are used you know when to use your strengths. You know at what opportunities you should apply them. And then you are not worried of the situation and, and the position you find, you find yourself. Now, these are some of the self-awareness strategies. Because part of the um, teaching today, or part of the, um, yes, part of the teaching today is how can I improve on my emotional intelligence. Now, one of the things you must do is do not judge the emotion, but understand it. This is building self-awareness strategies. <clears throat> First of all, do not judge the emotion, but understand it. Excuse me. So every emotion that you, you come across, do not decide or don't just judge it. Oh, why? Oh, I don't, understand what is going on. Assess the situation. You understand? Assess the situation. Give it a name. 
find out why it is occurring, look back, is this a childhood problem? Where did it stem from? What time, at what point in time did it start? Understand it, how does it come about? What situations, you know, does it occur? Now observe the ripple effect of the emotion. When that particular emotion occurs, how does it affect those around me? That's what we call the ripple effect. What's the ripple effect of the emotion? You are able to read other people when it happens and say, oh, when this particular thing happened, even if it's a positive emotion, you're able to uh, see what happened when I did this, or see what happened when I said this, or see what happened when my, 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 I, uh, I acted in this particular manner. Then you are able to understand that, okay, this is actually what's going on. Know who or what pushes your buttons. Be able to identify those who are the ones who, you know, trigger particular emotions in, your, in, in you. And then be able to know that, okay, at this particular person is able to bring this kind of emotion out of me. Or that particular, that particular activity is able to bring that kind of activity out, out of me. And, in, 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 and by so doing, you are able to take charge of your emotions and know how to coordinate yourself in this thing. So I'm trying to move forward because of time. Get to know yourself under stress. Critical. Many a times, many of us act in very, you know, weird manners when we are under stress. We feel very, um, we, we feel that at that point in time, it's all about me. I, I, don't, I don't need anyone in my space. Understand? But what you need to do under that under stress is understand how your emotional expression under, 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 under stress and how you can get yourself together and ensure that you're not um, an irritation to those around you and you're able to put your situation, the situation under, under control. And lastly, for just emotionally, how, when the emotions are developing, what do you feel? Do I, does my pulse begin to increase? Do I start, some people, they start to stammer. Some people, they may start to sweat. You understand? So you're, you should identify, identify such emotions in you physically. These are ways to develop self-awareness and build yourself towards emotional intelligence. Now, the second part of emotional intelligence, um, self, um, personal competence under emotional intelligence is self-management. Now, you gravitate from self-awareness to now self-management. Self-management is your ability to use the awareness of your emotions to actively choose what you say and do. So you, are, you now have the emotional vocabulary. You are now aware. So in order to, it's all about just modulating. Your capacity to now modulate yourself in whatever circumstance you find yourself is all about self-management. You are in a meeting or, and then someone says something or something goes wrong and you are able to, and then there's a, there, is, there, is, there is a factor there that can instigate a particular emotion. But because you are now self-aware, you are able to now self-manage yourself and make adjustments to ensure that emotion does not express itself. Because remember that emotional intelligence is all about ensuring that you handle your emotions and the emotions of others for a better relationship and a better emotional environment that you find yourself in. It's a deliberate attempt at preventing your emotions from controlling you, but you controlling them. The ability to size yourself and take charge before you drive yourself into the wrong direction. You must understand that self-management is an active and deliberate attempt. It's something that you must consistently do to get yourself to the better side of you. So it's not, it's not a, it's not a one-day thing, I must let you know. It's a process where you must work hard. It's a process where you must commit yourself to doing things that are positive and being self-aware 
and adjusting on a daily basis because you committed yourself to it and saying that I want to be better. That's the entire the, the whole idea of emotional intelligence. I want to be better in handling my emotions and in communicating and interacting. And so if you want to do that, then you must foster that change by actively getting yourself involved in self-management. It keeps you flexible and allows you to choose positively and productively. In self-management, a lot of practice is required in order to modulate and manage one's emotion. In self-management, there is the active engagement of the cognitive component. Now, this is important. In self-management, you now engage the cognitive component of your, of your brain. Because the cognitive component of your brain is now the part where you now reason. Oh, this happened now. Oh, I said that. Oh, I acted in this way. And then you, re you release such thoughts to the cognitive component. Actually, Okay, so what are the ways we, we have to modulate ourselves? What are the ways we have to adjust? And so, the so at that point in time, the limbic and the cognitive components of the brain are working in tandem to ensure you produce a new behavior that when it find, you find yourself in that, that situation, you are able to adjust and, and, and react in the proper manner and produce the, the, the lasting desire outcome, just like it's written here. Now, this is a picture showing the heart is a representation of our emotions and the brain is a representation of the cognitive part, working in tandem to produce a better outcome for, 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 to get you to a place where you are emotionally competent. In psychology, it is called cognitive restructuring or cognitive behavioral therapy. You're able to think and, 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 and produce thoughts to the point where you're able to de-emphasize certain, de certain emotional expressions and emphasize certain emotional expressions. It's simply a philosophy of uh, you are what you think or as a man thinketh in his heart, so we see. So you keep pondering on ways to reevaluate yourself and put yourself in a position where you are up there and you no longer feel the kind of um, emotion that gets everyone, you know, thinking of access and what just happened, you know. In other words, the idea is to create healthier and beneficial thought patterns to eradicate or substitute emotional feelings for a particular situation. You can't always predict where your next surprise will come because that's the truth. Most times you just bump into a particular situation and oh my God, you just an outburst or you become very sad. You understand? So probably like someone who is always going to a particular ward round or particular clinic or a particular discussion group or something, you understand? Always try to predict. You can't, you can't always predict where your next surprise will come from. So, but you can predict, sorry, sorry, but you can start to inoculate yourself to deal with unexpected events. Start by looking at your current way of dealing with unexpected, unexpected events. Start by looking at your current way of dealing with unexpected events. So you take another and be asking yourself, how do I deal with unexpected events? You must always evaluate them because unexpected events are one thing that can always um, cost you um, emotional distress. How do you react, for example, when someone you know lets you down? Do you spring into anger mode or do you get depressed and blame yourself? These are questions you must ask yourself in order for you to be able to improve your self-management. So you, you create scenarios that and say yourself, when I'm in this particular person's presence, how do I act? What do I do to prevent myself from getting depressed in that past moment or getting or blaming myself? 
is self-management. Now, self-management strategies, sometimes if you are in a very bad mood or someone just gets you annoyed or you want to react and give a harsh rebuttal, one of the things they say is you can start in your mind, just count one to 10, one to 10. Or sometimes I advice, you could sing a, a nursery rhyme to assist yourself. Jack and Jill went up the hill to fetch a pail of water or drink. Is your mind oh, Twinkle, twinkle, little star. How I wonder what you are. You the idea is just to distract the mind from wanting to engage, engage um, the person who probably must have instigated that particular emotion and create a scenario where you are okay. Then smile and laugh more. You encourage to smile and laugh more. It helps to build um, positive emotions in your, in your emotion, in your emotional bank. Visualize yourself succeeding in your relationship. It starts with the mind. You must create the pictures in your mind. You must create the positive pictures in your mind with regards to your interactions. You must five sleep on it. You had an engagement with someone, and then that engagement didn't go well. Your idea is to do what? Sleep on it. What went wrong? Why did I act in that particular manner? You sleep on the idea and build on it. Learn a valuable lesson from everyone you encounter. So in, in encountering with in, in interacting with people, it, it is not just to think about yourself. In every interaction you have and something happens, always learn a valuable lesson from that encounter. Always go back and ask yourself, what can I learn from that encounter that I had with that individual? Now we are into social competence. Now, the first, co first component of social competence is social awareness. This includes the key capabilities of empathy and organizational intuition. Social awareness. Social aware leaders and individuals do more than sense other people's emotions. They show that they care. So in social awareness, what you're now doing in social awareness is you are now empathizing with the people you are talking to. You place yourself in their shoes. You want to feel their pain. You want to be aware person is. In his organization, his, his intuition is very high. He's in the environment of the, of the institution or his class, and he's able to understand what is emotionally going on in the class and adjust the emotions that are going on in that environment. The person truly cares about those that he interacts with. He's not necessarily into himself, but he's into others just to ensure that the relationships and his interactions are more healthy and are more fruitful. You are, you, you are good at reading the in social awareness. The individual is good at reading the emotional current in an environment and quickly modulate their behavior to create the right energy within the environment. Now, the truth about it is that our emotions carry energy. And that's why sometimes when you're in a room where somebody's just crying or sobbing and sobbing, before you know it, you, can, you find yourself being, being drained into it and then you find yourself almost wanting to also cry. That's an emotional energy. Or someone comes into the room and the person is shouting, Ray! He brings a strong life energy into the room and begins to crack jokes. That's high, high emotional energy and it can be transmitted. So this individual has a capacity to understand the emotional current and environment and can engage that environment and modulate it. You understand? So he comes into the place and creates life, you understand? And, and, and brings the right energy within the environment so that people can um, move positively in the, in the right direction. In this regard, you will find yourself observing people in all kinds of situations. 
So the person is constantly studying everyone he comes in contact with. That's somebody who is socially aware. The person is constantly studying in all kinds of situations. In other words, to pick cues to understand how people um, express themselves. Is he probably raising an eyebrow? Or is the person doing their mouth in a particular way? Or is, there, is their shoulder, are they dropping their shoulders? Or the person always bringing his head back? And so the person always eating all this kind of stuff. So the person with social aware takes note of expressions of people and uses them to, is a, to um, enhance his relationships with them. Now you will learn to pick on learn to pick on up on people's body language, facial expression, posture, tone of voice, content of speech. All these things have a vast array of explanation. I can't do that in just this class. It's almost my time is almost over, so I have to go through all these things. Your body language, that different types of body language that send different forms of ex, um, um, messages. There are ways people do their face that can express setting the emotional uh, medicine, emotional messages, people's posture, the tone of their voice, and the content of their speech. So these are things that a socially aware person's ears are open to and his eyes are visualizing to be able to catch what emotional expressions are being sent into the um, environment so that he can understand what's going through this person's mind. Because remember I said the, person's, the, social, um, the socially aware person is empathic, is empathic, is interested in understanding what's going through the mind and the, and the thoughts of people. These cues are important in understanding people's emotional expression and demeanor, even on a cross-cultural basis. Being aware of people's cultural demeanor or expression is paramount in gaining success in the area of being socially aware. Outstanding leaders have the capacity to lead cross-culturally because they take into cognizance the social and cultural differences of team members. So they are understanding and they are looking at the people and understand that people are socially different, people are culturally different. And they're able to take it into cognizance and see that ah, um, I must understand my people and how they think. And I must be able to engage them on that, on that basis and produce the best out of them rather than just thinking of myself alone and, and forge better relationships for the team, for the association, for the church and for the fellowship. Making sure you are present and able to give others your full attention. So the person is talking to them and it is evident and it is obvious that his mind is focused on them. It is obvious that he's concentrating. It is obvious that he's listening and it's obvious that he's focused. It, it, you, can, you can ask the person immediately, what are the things I haven't said? And he can, he, can confidently, he can confidently repeat them because the person is into, the, uh, is into his audience, if I may use that word, or he's into those who he's, um, he's interacting with. Such individual leaders listen attentively and grabs what the other person's perspective is or whatever matter they are discussing. He or she is strongly empathic and has a high organizational awareness. In other words, they understand the political forces at work in an organization. They can, it's like, they are more or less like a magnetic force. They can feel the temperature, they feel the, tem the emotional tem temperature, or, uh, the emotional status or the emotional state of an organization. They understand the political forces and the, inter and the internal wranglings of an organization. Their senses are heightened, as well as the guiding values and the unspoken rules that are praised among people there. So even in the organization, or even in the fellowship, or even wherever they find themselves, they just know what this person wants, how this person wants this thing to be done. Typical, like uh, there was a book I was reading, and someone talked about a waiter 
of, of, of a restaurant, a very big restaurant in the US. And every time, most people commented that because she was so, she understood what most customers wanted. Immediately they came in, come inside, she tells them the menu they want, she brings it to them the way they, at what temperature they want it. She's able to explain, put it on their table the way it should be set. That's a, um, a, a restaurant staff who understands the, um, the, um, the emotions of, of, of her clients and is able to serve them. And by doing so, she's, she can bring productivity to that kind of um, uh, association or company. Now, social awareness strategies. To improve your social awareness um, strategies, greet people by name is critical. It is that one thing I used to tell people, I used to tell people when I used to teach, leader, I teach leadership in Benin is that one thing I realized is that Nigerians, we do not deliberately ask people their names. If you check across the history, all the people, most of the people that you know, you really never knew them or asked them by their names deliberately. Most times you just fall into friendship because probably we're discussing football or someone was discussing um, a particular wedding, a wedding movie and you like the movie and then somebody across just called the person's name and then you started developing yourself to try and cram the person's name. But in, in, if you go to the Western world, you see people introduce themselves deliberately. You understand? That's social awareness. So when you, you, you are deliberate at making your relationship, your relationships don't occur by accident. You are deliberate at making your, getting your relationships. So you meet them, oh, hello, how are you? What's your name? Oh, what's the meaning of your name? Oh, I love that name. What, the meaning of that name in my own language is this, or in my own tribe is this. And you, and you strike a conversation from there. And then every time you see the people, always try, even if you forget, always try to ask your name and tell the person, I forgot that your beautiful name. Pardon me. That's social awareness. Watch body language. Practice the act of listening. There's passive listening. There's active listening. Many times these days, people are listening and on their phones, they're touching and other. You cannot, the brain finds it difficult to listen actively and do active chatting. It's difficult. So for you to say you want to interact with people, you must put down what you're doing and actively listen, especially if you're in a team or wherever you find yourself that requires your commitment, you must actively listen. Go people watching. What in our seven says, clear away the clutter. What does clear away the clutter mean that seven? It means there are things in our minds, we're interacting with people, but at the same time, things are running through your mind. A lot of people do that. Somebody asks you a question, you say, oh, what did you just say? Oh, what? Sorry, 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 my mind was here. So when you're talking to people, ensure you clear whatever is in your mind and ensure that you focus on who you're interacting with and you can equally reproduce what was discussed or what was said in that engagement. Lastly, we're going into the final stage, the relationship management. Relationship management is the second component of social, um, um, component of social competence. This skill often taps into your abilities the first um, three emotional intelligence skills, self-awareness, self-management, and self-awareness, social awareness. So it encompasses and uses the three um, previous emotional intelligence to produce lasting relationships that are uh, uh, fulfilling. So those relationships are now fulfilling relationships. You are now entering relationships that are committed. You understand? There is this transparency, there is this openness, there is this, no, this cordiality. Um, relationships are no longer on a formal basis. They are now on a cordial basis. More or less, you now can have more confidence. People you can, you can tell things to without having to be afraid because you yourself are socially aware and you're not even bothered because you understand who you are, how your emotions are, and you can put them into the right perspective without being worried. But I must tell you that 
These things take time. An active commitment to it. Praise the Lord. Relationship manage your ability to use your awareness of your own emotions and those of others to manage interactions successfully. This ensures clear communication and effective handling of conflict. Now, when you are now in an established relationship, because you are well socially aware and self-aware, you are not afraid of conflict. One of the things that people run away from in relationship is conflict. Oh, I don't want, if we talk, there's always this quarrel. He always says this thing. No. Someone who's socially aware understands that conflicts will arise. And if conflicts arise, has strategies on how to handle conflicts. And he ensures he knows that every relationship is important to him or her. And that's the truth about it. Some of us have had friends that we thought we would never be friends to. If they told you that you'd be a friend to this person, you say it's a lie. Uh, me and this person be friends. But today, some of you have some of the strongest friends you've ever had. You thought you'd never be friends with those kind of people. So the truth about this is what happened. There were adjustments that were made. There were compromises that were made. And with that kind of friend, you were interested in handling whatever conflict comes out from that kind of interaction. So another thing about conflict is that it makes you a better person. You now know how to maneuver around difficult conversations. But every time you shy away from conflict, you can never develop the skill of handling conflict and resolving conflict. Conflict management in itself is another entire um, um, course on its own. They teach people how to handle conflict management. So you can also learn it through reading and through um, experience by interacting with people who you feel self that are difficult for you to interact with and find out how to go around such people who have such um, um, behaviors or emotions that you think you cannot handle. People who manage um, relationships are able to see the benefits of connecting with many different people, even those they are not fond of. They are not fond of. Yes, those are not fond of. Sorry for that error there. Solid relationships are sometimes are some things that should be sought and cherished. They are the result of how you understand people and how you treat them and the history you share. Not to say the history you share, sorry. Relationship management is usually tested during the moments of stress. Many people find it difficult to handle relationships during periods of stress. This requires practice and deep thoughts. Understand? You go back and ask yourself questions with regards to the conflict that you had and find the ways, ways you can go around them rather than just running away from them. You can't run away from conflict. It will always happen. The duty is to ask yourself, how can I handle conflicts in a relationship and build better relationships in doing so? Naturally, most people within your sphere of influence are people whom you tend to connect with emotionally and intellectually. That's the truth. Many people like to stay on the safe zone. Where there's emotional comfort for them, they like that zone. Once it gets rough, they take off. Understand? But for you to be a good leader, you must learn to engage people of various emotional types. For a lot of people, moving beyond the zone of comfort means embracing potential conflict or fear or being hurt, so they would rather stay within the circle of comfort. Now, relationship manages, management strategies enhance your natural communication style. Ask yourself, how do I communicate? Do they hear me? Am I audible? Am I coherent? Is my voice always loud? You must get feedback. Find out like that. That's number two. Take feedback well. Find out how you sound when you speak to others, especially if it is noticed by others that there is the way this guy talks or the way she talks, I have issues. You understand? So find out, always find out how you sound, how people feel. In fact, if you're socially, if you're self-aware or socially aware, you could see from the interaction when you speak, how people, 
how your voice or how you sound reverberates of those who are listening to you. Build trust is a very beautiful way of staying in relation. Most people want to know if you can be trusted. Most people want to know if, if information or being around you, they can be trusted. Are they safe? That's another very important thing. Acknowledge the, 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 the other person's feelings. When you're talking, always be sure that you are acknowledging the way people feel. Do not disregard the feelings of others. Compliment the, the person's emotions or situations when you can show it. When you can show it means that always try to say something that is positive. Don't hide away your feelings. Say things. If it gets to a point there are issues with someone, say sorry. Thank you. Um, I won't do it again. I'll, I'll, I'll make sure I change. Those are things you will need to show in your interaction with people. Thank you. Oh, I'll, I'm sorry I, I, I made that happen. I'll do everything to make ensure it doesn't happen again. Explain your decisions. Don't just make them. Learn to tackle tough conversations. So some of the strategies that I talked about in handling tough conversations below, start with an agreement. Starting an agreement basically means that when you're talking with someone, let the person know that it is not a fight. I am here to find how we can have an agreement on the issue or whatever it might be. I also want to understand your position and I also want you to understand my position. So you start from a place of where the person, you make the person understand that you want to agree. You want the relationship to remain. Ask the person to help you to understand his or her side of the issue. Um, help the other person understand your own side too. Move the conversation forward. Basically means that if you did not, if you did not come to a conclusion or if you could not come to something both of you agree on, don't let the conversation end there. Move on to something else. Move on to another plane where two of you are find something difficult, find something easy, or find something on, on a common ground that can you know allow both of you for move forward. And then keep in touch. Don't say okay after this conflict, that that's where it ends. People who are emotionally unintelligent are the ones who act in such a manner. Now, this is what I call the sphere of influence. I hope we all can see it. For emotionally incompetent people, if we can see this small circle in the circle there, that small circle is what I call the sphere of cordiality. In that sphere of cordiality for the emotionally incompetent people, there are few people in that sphere. Emotional sphere of cordiality basically means people who you can share confident things with. You are easily um, cordial with them. You have a, um, an informal friendship with them. You have a, a friendly environment, of course, in their presence. So in that circle, for the emotionally incompetent person, that circle is small. He has few people within that circle. He doesn't want to rough. He doesn't want the emotions to be rough. He's okay with the amount of friends or um, team uh, people that he has at the moment. And for such people, that circle hardly widens because the person doesn't want to increase the circle of um, the sphere of cordiality. He is okay with the amount of friends that are inside. In fact, if anyone rough, if anyone causes issues, he's ready to push someone out of that circle into the other circle. And the other circle is the circle of formality. Most people within that circle of formality, uh, that's the bigger circle in the other circle. If you come out of that small circle into the other, the other circle, the people within that circle are, are what we call the friends within the sphere of formality. Those people in that sphere, people who are emotionally competent, have a lot of people within the sphere of formality. They love people being in the sphere of formality. They love their relationship being at the level of formality. They don't, they don't know, they don't want them to know where they stay. They don't want to know their birthdays. They don't probably want to know 
um, what's going on in their life. They like to just put people in that sphere. Then the sphere of influence for the emotional competent person. You can see that the inner circle is a bit wider. It's wider. So such an emotional competent person has no fears. It's very transparent. He's able to have, his sphere of, his sphere of cordiality is very wide. He's able to make friends easily. He pulls a lot of people from the sphere of formality into the sphere of cordiality. He's not, he doesn't have anything to hide. He's able to interact to people on a normal basis as if they, are, they just saw the person yesterday. You can see someone today and, and, and strike off a conversation as if he knows the person from Adams uh, from, from a very long time, sorry. So emotionally complex person has a larger sphere of cordiality and he can easily pull people into his sphere of cordiality because he doesn't have anything to hide. He wants to build more relationships. He wants to build more, more networks. He wants to ensure that he's able to uh, um, impact more people and influence more people. He's an astute leader. He's a transformational leader. He's, he's, his impact goes far and wide. Now, for scriptural references with regards to the um, Christian perspective, the Bible makes us to know in James chapter 1, verse 20, that understand this, my dear brothers and sisters, you must all be quick to listen. So you can see, quick to listen slow to speak and slow to get angry so the bible is showing us areas that are important as christians to be emotionally intelligent the bible tells us to be quick to listen remember that for someone who is socially aware the person listens very well slow to speak you understand and slow to get angry because human anger does not produce the righteousness that god desires Ephesians 4, 26 and 27. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. And do not get the devil, give the devil a foothold. Mark 12, 20, 31. Verse 20 talks about the first commandment, which is love God. And the second commandment says, love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than this. So if you truly are self-aware and truly understand how your emotions are and truly are... I uh, 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 think about how you feel in certain emotions and, and you want to modulate. You as an individual who says, I love your neighbor as yourself, will consider the emotions of others. As scripture has already made it clear here that love your neighbor as yourself. So for the individual who is self-aware, must also be socially aware and build strong relationships for the, better, for the betterment of God's, God's, um, God's church. Thank you for listening and God bless you. Thank you very much uh, for having time to talk with us. Thank you everyone for listening. So please, if you have a question, you can raise your hand up so we could take questions. Please, you could indicate by raising up your hands. And if somebody has um, like a strong voice or more like an aggressive kind of voice, how does the person get to control his emotion and have a better emotion if I got it right? I think that is what she's trying to ask. In, in such a situation, usually such individuals usually may not know their voice or communication style is very loud and appears assertive. So in such situations, 
for those who are emotionally intelligent or who are hurt by such um, um, expression, the, what, it, what you now do is in moments where you are alone with the person, you engage that individual with regards to the person's communication style. And if other people, one or two other people are, you can also tell those ones on another occasion, they should meet the person. So not on the same day, one person goes to talk to the person on a, a period where it's, there is no issue, it's a cordial moment, you guys are just talking and then you just raise the issue up and then discuss the issue and say that uh, the way you communicate, it, it appears to um, affect me in some manner and I think if you can tone down a bit, I think it'd be easy for us to, it'd be easy for me. And then probably somebody else too who's affected by such on another moment can also meet the individual and let the individual know that this is how he or she feels also when he's interacting with them. So the person now knows that the person is now getting the feedback from different quarters that this is what his voice or this is how his communication style appears to come out. So that may send a message to the person to adjust his communication style. I hope that answers it. But usually it should take it for someone, if for you who is a listener, it will take a lot for you to control your emotions in the midst of that person because you have an understanding because there is a default or a defect in that person's communication style. But because you have an understanding, your duty is to now be self-aware, self-modulate, taking a deep breath, understand what's going on, allow him to communicate or say what you have to say, and then communicate not in his style, but in a very soft manner, in a very soft manner so that you do not get into his own energy because there's a possibility that most times people who communicate loud tend to um, send a message. So sometimes some people may want to react to such communication style or some people want to withdraw. But if you are sense, if you're self-aware and understand that people have different, you know, ways of coming out, then you are not too perturbed. Your duty is to keep on trying to help this person get the best out of his communication style. Thank you. Thank you, sir. Um, please, Ngozi um, Mowa, can you ask your question, please? Thank you. Okay, good evening, everyone. Thank you very much, sir, for this session. Okay, my question is, we talked about um, the difference between the sphere of influence like of the emotionally competent and the emotionally incompetent person. Yeah. So the question is, does this take into account the preferences of personality types or is it just um, a cause board that the emotionally incompetent person um, has few people within their sphere of influence and the others have a lot? But I'm thinking of like personality types and the way it is that some people generally are not, um, what word would I use? Are not so um, outgoing or yes, easy. Yes. So does this account for personality types or is it just a cross board? Yeah, what are your... Okay, continue. Okay, like, uh, do we take into account personality types or is it just across board? Whether you're introvert or extrovert, you should have a wide sphere of influence if you are emotionally intelligent. Thank you. Now, for personality types, the truth about it is that personality types have, a ver have varied forms of emotional expressions. The truth about it is that that sphere I created was basically just for emotional intelligence. 
if you bring in the personality types into it, the spell will definitely change because there's some people who are definitely just introverts or tend to like to be on their own. It's not necessarily an emotional problem. You get my point? It's not necessarily an emotional problem. That spell was typically just for emotions, emotional intelligence. Personality types is a different ball game on its own. That's a vast, um, <clears throat> a vast array. Talk about nine personality types, but I, I, I don't want to go into those issues now. But you're actually correct. This sphere was created for those who are emotional. Types. But the person who is an introvert has to be sure or has to be aware or has to self-evaluate and be sure that it's not because there's an emotional defect to say. That's why he's creating a wall of um, a small sphere of cordiality for people within that sphere. So that the diagram or that graph or whatever it is called at this, that, that I did was basically for people who, for emotionally incompetent, emotional competent people, not necessarily for personality types. I hope that's clear. Yes, sir. Thank you, sir. All right. Um, good evening, everyone. I'm Temi Lolua from Just Chapter. Thank you very much, sir, for the teaching. I don't know if we still have questions. Anybody? I can see Vera's hand. Um, can you ask your question? Okay, Miracle Ijama, Jeremiah, can you ask your question? Hmm. Hello, Miracle. Can you ask a question? Good evening. Okay, I want to find out for someone that has a mixture of both low intelligence. I can hear that. I think your, I think your, your mic has gone off, or your network has, is, is impeded your communication. Okay, I was asking for someone that has a mixture of low emotional intelligence and emotional intelligence. How does that a person? A mixture. Yes, a very mm -hmm. big mixture. A very good. A very great mixture, not falling into a death pattern. There's, there's really, they, can't be, they can't be a mixture. The idea will be is, is, is to find the areas that you are not competent in, going from your self awareness to your self management to your social awareness and your relationship management, is what they call uh, the emotional evaluation or ass assessment. There are different types online. You could check yourself and find out on how to evaluate yourself emotionally. Emotional intelligence is a wide area. So first of all, what usually is done is to evaluate your emotional status. That's the first thing that's usually done. There's a test that you're supposed to go through to determine what is your level of intelligence. So you can't just say there's a, a, a perfect blend. It is after that test, you take that test. And after that test, there's a calculation, just the way they do cognitive intelligence. You know, you've heard about IQ. I'm sure you must have heard about the IQ test. So there's yes, also what we call, yes, there's also what we call the EQ test. So it's after the EQ test that they can now say, okay, we can place this person as having low EQ or a high EQ. There's really no say that there is a perfect blend. 
So it's after that blend, after that test, they now know the areas where you have challenges. Is it in the capacity to handle the emotions of others? Or is it your capacity to handle your own emotions? And even if it's your own emotions, what emotions are a challenge for you? And then after they do that, they put you through a series of um, exercises and practices to see how you can improve yourself emotionally and get yourself into the right um, position. But <clears throat> the truth about it is that for you to be emotionally intelligent, it takes a lot of hard work, takes a lot of reading. Even myself, I'm still reading a lot of books. I'm still studying and studying and studying because an area that I really like to because understanding how people act and how people behave is critical to how they perform and critical to how you as a leader can produce and get the best out of them. So I, I hope I answered your question because there's really no perfect blend. You evaluate, there's an evaluation. After the evaluation, they, are, they place you in either low or they place you either high based on the score. And then they use that to determine what next to get you to the place where you desire to be. I hope I answered you your question. Yeah. All right. Glory, let's ask a question. All right. Thank you very much for this I opportunity. I hope you are blessed. Good evening, everyone. Can you hear me? Yes. Yes, I can hear you. I said, I hope you are blessed by it. Yes, I was. Thank you so much. Yes, right, my, I question, my question is, um, is it right for us to repress our emotions? Like in the case of like getting angry, for instance, like after getting angry at someone or probably you just go angry, is it right for you to actually repress it? And like, okay, let me give an instance. There are times where I repress my emotions or I do not react at that moment. And I, and I go back to myself whenever I'm quiet, I just start reflecting on all that happened. And I just feel so hot about like everything that played out. So how do I like repress or suppress my emotions in a way that I don't feel hot when I'm alone? I hope you understand my question, sir. Okay, and what I'm trying to get is that you, you interacted with someone yes. and then what happened? Okay, so probably I, I probably did get angry or in a case where I get angry at okay. um, someone mm -hmm. and I do not let, okay, let me give an instance. There are times where I get angry at someone and then I just start smiling or laughing and okay. I do not like really voice out my, my opinion or how I feel at that time. Yeah. And I get like to myself and I start like crying or just, you know, mm -hmm. getting like feeling depressed at the fact that I didn't, I didn't like reply or give the person my word at that time. I hope you understand. So is it right for me to actually repress my emotions and not deal with it at that time? And how do I even get to deal with my emotions? Exactly. So that, that now goes to self-awareness, where I talked about understanding and understanding emotions and understanding how to express yourself. Now, it, there wouldn't have been a problem if you left that discussion and then moved on. You left the discussion and you started crying and you felt very hurtful. So in other words, your inner person is trying to tell you that you want to get something out and let the other person know this is how you feel. Now, what you need to do is now to sit down, instead of feeling that you are hot, start asking yourself questions on how you are going to communicate if that kind of thing happens next time. You now have to start rehearsing inside of you how you will communicate clearly without being hot, without without being on without being ruffled you understand what are the yeah. words i'm going to choose you select the kind of words you're going to you're going to say you can even ask a close friend who's able to do things like that easily you understand so you meet someone who's able to express their pain not express their pain in a very annoying way but express their pain in a very intelligent way 
and get their things across. So that's what you need to do is how you can express yourself without having to make things worse. And I'm sure that's what, I, that's what you're trying to do because you probably love your relationships. You love talking to people. You don't want to lose them, but you have issues when you're hot and you can't communicate. So your idea yeah. is, like I said, you need to now visualize your relationships in instances where there is going to be a situation like that and what you will do. So in other words, it goes back to the point where I say, um, don't wait for them to happen. Visualize them and actually say what you will do when it happens again. You get my point? Uh, yes, That's sir. what you do. Don't, what you're not doing is instead of visualizing what you should see, you now visualize yourself being hot. Okay. Hmm. So instead of doing that, visualize yourself interacting when that kind of situation comes again. The kind of words you will use, how you're going to say them, and how you will project. Because I'm sure you already know the people, kind of people who tend to get you to that place. Yeah. Exactly. Yes, exactly. So those kind of people, you know the next time you're going to meet them, certainly something like that will come up again. So you've already rehearsed how you're going to communicate yourself immediately that kind of situation comes up. And then you clearly and intelligently say it in a way that doesn't um, create bitterness in the relationship and the relationship goes ahead. And you tell the person, I love, I, I love you. I don't know the circumstances, but I love you. I, 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 I feel this particular way. I feel hot when you say these things. I don't think it's healthy for us. I love this relationship and I want you to go ahead. You understand? It's about being confident. It's about being self-aware. It's about ensuring that you want your relationships to stay healthy and where you want to be and where you are going. So when you do that, you rehearse with yourself at home or you rehearse yourself with a friend or you just rehearse yourself and keep doing it. The time will come. That's how the brain works. The moment you keep doing it in your mind, in your mind, in your mind, the moment that interaction comes, it comes like a trigger. You just say those things and you relieve yourself out and then it works out well for you. Right. Thank you very much. I really do appreciate Thank you. Thank God. Okay, um, thank you so much, sir. Thank you for listening. I trust that you've been blessed. For more information, you can visit our website www.cmdanigeria.org.